This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Roker Report podcast where we are joined by former Nottingham Forest, Spurs, Charlton, Sunderland, Blackpool and Republic of Ireland International, Andy Reid. So how's things going for you, Andy Reid, in these crazy COVID-19 times? Yeah, they've, they've been not too bad. Not too bad, I have to say. It's, I think it's been tough for everybody. We know that. But um, I'm big into my coaching now at the moment. I'm coaching with Ireland and I'm coaching... Uh, with, for, with Nottingham Forest as well. So I've had plenty to kind of get my teeth into. I've had plenty of presentations to do, webinars to do. And I've also got to spend time, precious time with, with my family because I think anybody who works in football, especially in coaching, will tell you that there's not really yeah, too much time <laughs> to kind of spend with your family when you're, when, when you're involved in the coaching. It takes up that much time. So I've, I've got on with loads. Um, I've had plenty to do. And, uh, and, and in some ways, it's actually been quite enjoyable. So we'll jump straight into it, but I want to start with a little brief overview of your career because Sunderland fans might not be aware of you know where you came through. But you were at Nottingham Forest. You were a very highly touted talent. Moved to Spurs, uh, where I, I don't know did things maybe not go so well there. You ended up at Charlton, and then you ended up at Sunderland after that. So what were them early sort of years like? I remember particularly when you moved to Spurs, you and Michael Dawson were seen as two very big prospects. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I mean, I, I was very lucky. I had a great football upbringing at, at Forest. I came through the Nottingham Forest Academy, and um, it's it's a well renowned academy, and it's uh, you know produced a lot of good players. And um, you know myself and Michael Dawson, Jermaine Genus, and David Prutton, players like that would have would have been in uh, uh, in in and around my U team. So um, I was very very fortunate, and then to play in the Force team was great. Uh, and and then a you know big move came then uh, down to Tottenham, which is which is a massive club, and me and Dawson done it together. And I, I actually you know I, although I would have liked him to play more, I had two really enjoyable uh, years there. Um, they were kind of just on the cusp of kind of really spending um, some serious money, and you know we were bringing in players like Edgar Davids um, in position that I played. So I kind of quickly got the. Uh, got the gist that I wasn't going to get as much game time as I wanted and I was 22 20 years 22 23 years of age and all I wanted to do was play football so I didn't really want to sit on anybody's bench or play in anybody's reserves I'd probably played maybe 100 120 130 games or something like that for us so um I didn't really want to go backwards and, and sit on anybody's bench so 
Um, uh, I got a phone call from Ian Dowie, who was the um, Charlton manager at the time, and he asked me if I'd if I'd want to come and uh, and play with him at Charlton, who were in the Premier League at the time, and uh, you know everything kind of fitted nicely together, and and I felt like it was the right thing to do, so I went and signed for Charlton. And Charlton relegated in oh six or seven. You spent a uh, half the season there, and then Sunderland were the team that were interested. But was there any other clubs before you came to Sunderland that you thought you might go to? Well, funnily enough, actually, at the at the end of um, at the end of the season, at the end of the season when I was still at Tottenham, um, uh, I got a phone call from from Kenny Cunningham, who was at Sunderland at the time, and this was before you know probably two or three weeks before I moved to. Um, before I moved to Charlton, I got a phone call from Kenny Cunningham, and um, I think Niall was in charge um, up in Sunderland, and you know he was chairman as well. Um, and he asked me if I'd be interested in coming. And, and at the time, kind of going back to the Championship didn't really um, appeal to me because I knew I had offers from from Premier League clubs as well. So um, it wasn't really the right thing to do. I didn't feel at the time. So um, there was kind of interest from Sunderland from from beforehand, which I was kind of quite flattered by. And, Obviously, was very very aware of the Irish connection, um, and 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 as I said, Charlton just kind of felt like the right thing at the time. And then you know I had a season there, and it was very up and down, and there was a change of manager, and Alan Pardew came in kind of second half of the season and really turned things around. And we were quite fortunate to get relegated. And you know as we got relegated at Charlton, Sunderland kind of came up. So um, you know that that I I had every intention of of, of playing out. Um, the you know, my, my time at Charlton because it was somewhere where I was very, very happy. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And we were toured in the league come January. Um, and I had no real intentions of leaving because, as I said, I was I was, uh, I was captain there. We were toured in the league. I thought we had a great chance of getting promoted. I really enjoyed working under Alan Pardew. Um, probably a little bit uh, contentious considering he went on to be, uh, to be a Newcastle manager. Um but I really enjoyed walking under him and got on really well with him. And come January, the, the end of January, then and Sunderland put in a bid, and obviously I played with Roy. And, and um, you know, I kind of I, I spoke to Alan Pardew, and he said the club um, needed the money, and um, and and that I should go and speak to Sunderland. So um, I was uh, I was on my way up to on a train with my agent, uh, kind of the day before deadline, the day maybe deadline day. I think it possibly could have been. Um, to uh, sit down and, and and talk with everybody up at Sunderland, and and obviously had a good chat with with, with Roy, and um, he told me where he seen me fitting into into his plans, uh, asked me where he thought where I thought um I could fit in, and I kind of told him we had a really good chat, and 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 we were able to kind of get get a deal done, and went back down to London that day, packed up my stuff, and. And, and and moved up to moved up to the northeast um to, a couple of days later um me and uh, me and Candice um my missus um we uh, we, we moved back up and um it was it was it was really really exciting because I'd you know I'd, I'd played at at Sunderland um so I knew about the passion of the of the fans and and I always I always got a sense that the the northeast and Sunderland in particular um, was very very similar to um, to back home in Dublin you know very very working class people really really down to earth and and I always felt that I had a real affinity with them with, with the people um, of Sunderland and 
and I think you know they they kind of took to me I think pretty quickly and 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 likewise I did to them and we when we moved up we ended up getting a house in Durham and again Durham is you know somewhere that that, that we we loved living um it was great I felt I had an affinity with the with the miners with the with the working class people of of the area and uh you know the the, the miners marches were something that I kind of turned out to uh, to watch and um and was something you know so I just felt like the the northeast kind of really became um you know really became something special to me and and, and something that um me and uh, Candy still look back on very very fondly we loved that time up there and we felt very very welcomed and and and, and that was just the you know that moving up and signing on that on that day and and kind of really getting to to work was was all the start of for me a fantastic kind of two and a half three years. So was Roy Keane an icon to you? You know, he's one of the greatest Irish players. I presume he's one that you would have looked up to as a kid. Was that something that played into your thinking when you signed? Yeah, well, yeah, it was really. Uh, listen, I think the main thing was the fact that uh, some of them were in the Premier League, um, and you know, although we had a chance of getting promoted in, uh, with with Charlton. Um, you know, some of them were already there. They had that Premier League place, and I looked at the squad and uh, looked at the players that have been brought in as well to add to to some of the players. You know, some some fantastic players um, in there already, um, and, and some great pros as well, which really appealed to me. People like Dean Whitehead and Danny Collins and um, Nyra Nosworthy, um, and then you add into that, then kind of uh, you know Phil Bardsley signed and Johnny Evans signed as well, and I kind of looked at the bigger picture and thought, you know what, we could really, really kind of stay up here, and 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 then you throw Roy into that, and Roy was a big factor. I played for Ireland um, with Roy, and he'd, he'd always been very, very good to me with his time and with his advice, and um, you know, and and like that when when I spoke to him. Um, and he told me about his plans and where he's seen the club going, and and uh, if it just felt re- you know, felt like a like a really good fit, and um, and and as well as that, I kind of I think you know got off to a really good start. I was only kind of there a week or so, and I hadn't been long back from an injury, so I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been at my fittest um, at the time, and um, but but I was probably fit enough to be on the bench, which which I was against Wigan, um, my home debut, and. Managed to come on for kind of fifteen twenty minutes and um, set set well. I want to say set Morph up. I, I passed the ball to, to Daryl <laughs> Morphy, who who managed to whack one in the corner in the top corner from about twenty yards. So I didn't have too much to do with that goal because it was an absolutely phenomenal strike. But for me, um, it was it was a really fantastic start and just to feel the um the, the home crowd um feel what it was like because although it played against Sunderland you know you, 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 you it's it's such a better feeling when you're when you're playing for Sunderland and that stadium is full and um it's really rocking and, and you can go out there and you can give them special people they um they give them a win to, to cheer about and give them a goal to cheer about that place erupts so I want to talk you mentioned the Wigan game and I was going to mention that one but you've you've ticked that one off but we'll, I want to talk now about the West Ham game you got the winner I think it was at the 96th minute the game was at 1-1 and the ball kind of found its way to you and you were unmarked at the back post and you hit a, a perfect volley past Rob Green. What do you remember of that goal and the celebrations afterwards? Because I, I remember being there and seeing it and that season we did score a lot of late goals as well. Um, but it, it felt like a, a pivotal moment in the season. Yeah, it, you know, I think it, it, it felt like that at, at the time as well. You know, it, it's one of them things. Funnily enough, it came up on Twitter not too long ago um, I think somebody tagged me into it, and um, 
you hear the, the, the commentary. I think it's Barnsley's commentary was um, uh, was on it, and uh, you know you, you, you still get the sense about me and my eight year old um, were, were watching it, and the hairs in the back of the neck, my hairs in the back of my neck were standing up. It was you know really really special moment, uh, and the celebrations as well, and and and. It, you know, it was a, it was a really important three points. So for me to be able to play my part, and that was great. And I think when you get an injury time winner um, as a team, it seems to be sometimes a little bit more than three points. Um, you kind of it's the the momentum that you kind of gain with that moving forward. Um, I think we uh, I think we maybe pulled clear of the bottom three um, after that win, and and just you know it, it's one of them special days in in in, in my career. Um, you know, really, you know, the way you probably only have maybe, you know, 10 or 12, maybe, if you're lucky, sometimes it's it's less than that, of them kind of really special days. And, and, and that was up there, you know, getting the winner at home, full house uh, against the team that were probably down there um, uh, fighting relegation with us and, and, and see how much it meant to everybody. And, and it meant so, so much to me as well and to my family. So the win that day came between two away victories at Aston Villa and Fulham, which pretty much guaranteed our safety. But what was the, the dressing room spirit like at that time? Because as a fan on the outside, it, it felt like, you know, we scored so many late goals. We had a never say die attitude. You had a kind of a warrior of a manager like Roy Keane. It felt like everyone was pulling in the same direction. Is that what you felt as a player? Yeah, it really was. I mean, you know, it was a, it was a great bunch of lads and, um, you know, uh, and the players that I mentioned earlier, you know, like Dean Whitehead, Danny Collins, who've been there for quite a long time, Nora Nosworth. I mean, what, what, what an absolute hero! You know, um, really, really great guy. And uh, and and then, as I said, Bardo and 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 um, Johnny Evans kind of coming in as well. And we there, there was some there was some really really good players in there, but there were some great characters. And I think it was a team that um, that the strength was in the fact that it was a team. Um, and we went on, on on that run and, you know, we beat Villa, as you say, we beat Fulham away, we beat West Ham and then I think we beat Middlesbrough then, second to last game maybe um, as well. Um, and, you know, picked up some really good wins and there was some great character um, shown by the team and, um, and, and it was a brilliant end to the season, you know, it really was a brilliant end to the season and... Um, you kind of then have a lot more optimism for next season and to to, to what can what can possibly happen. But I, I you know, it was probably uh, the probably the most enjoyable six months of 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 the time there because you know I think after that things started to kind of go really really up and down and it was um you know there was change of managers and 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 kind of things got difficult with, within the club. So it was a really really good. Um, six months and, uh, and really enjoyable. There's probably one down that I can think of at that time and that was we lost 2-0 away at Newcastle in a game that you played but I don't want to talk necessarily about the game but I just want to kind of get an insight as to what Roy Keane's reaction is to that kind of defeat which was disappointing I think it's fair to say we didn't really turn up that day I think Michael Owen scored two goals but how does Roy Keane yeah how does Roy Keane you know deal with that in the dressing room is he you know, all guns blazing, you know, shouting, screaming, or is he a bit calmer? I mean, what was his management style when you lose a game like that? Um, I think it just depends. I know uh, we weren't quite at it and they, they did deserve the win, I would say, but I wouldn't say that they were great either. And it probably wasn't kind of all that much in in the game. We we, we should have performed better. Um, 
But but I I think Roy was. It, it's very very difficult to remember the exact. But I'm pretty sure that Roy was was you know let us know that 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 more is expected of us in no uncertain terms as he did. Um, but I think it was also very important that the manager remained calm and level headed at that point as well. And 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 listen, I know how much it means to you know the the, the derby and and always meant so much to me and um and kind of loved playing in it. Um, and I but but I think as well overall there was a bigger picture in it there, and I think Roy kind of sensed that there was a bigger picture. And at times we were playing some 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 decent stuff, and I think everybody needed to remain calm and kind of hold their nerve and make sure that we got the points we needed to stay up. So you know there was a case of you know we know how much it means, and 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 it means a hell of a lot as well, and it still does, you know. Um, still you know although they haven't played against each other for a few years, you know every time I left. Um, uh, when I left Sunderland, every time there was uh, one of the derbies was on, I'd always be kind of, you know, trying to tune in and, and really rooting, um, rooting for the Mackham. So, um, uh, but but there was a bigger picture in play that season, and the bigger picture was staying in the Premier League. That was um, the be all and end all for me. So survival uh, was achieved in the next match against Middlesbrough. You mentioned it before. We won three two. It was another late winner. But recently, uh, talking about Roy Keane again, but Roy Keane recently was very vocal about Aston Villa celebrating their survival. Um, what was the celebrations like when we survived against Middlesbrough that day? Was it low key, or you know, did you go out and you know party? I mean, what was well, well, we we went down and had a couple of beers, but it was really, really low key because um, you know. <laughs> We, we, we would have been all kind of pretty chuffed that we'd stayed up, you know, and we would have been like that in the changing room. And, and you know, and, 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 you know, Roy is not one for, for being a hypocrite because, you know, back then as well, he came in and he went, listen, guys, it's great that you've stayed up, but it's not something that needs celebrating. You know, we haven't won anything. We've stayed up. Um, now let's kind of, it's time to rebuild. So we really kind of refocused everybody from, from kind of then really um, that, you know, it's, it wasn't something to celebrate. And, and I do agree with him, you know, I think it is a big achievement to stay in the in the Premier League and it kind of did it did mean a lot. Um but um it did mean a lot, but uh I I can understand the whole kind of going over the top of the celebrations of staying up, you know, although it does mean a lot and it's very, very important. It means a lot to a club. I can see where he's coming from. So I can see it from both from both angles really. So you know, we did have a few beers um, and um, and a little bit of a laugh to um, to kind of celebrate it, I suppose. So looking now into the second season, it felt like at the time as a fan, Sunderland was positioned to take it to the next level. We had rich owners. Uh, Ellis Short began putting his investment into the club. We brought in a lot of players. I'll list them off here. Gibral Cisse, Timo Tanio, Nick Colgan, David Mailer, Pascal Shimbonda, El Hadjouf, Steve Malbronk, David Healy, Anton Ferdinand, George McCartney. I think that's pretty much everyone. But looking back, do you think that maybe the business wasn't right that summer? It seems to me that there was a, a different approach from signing largely British and Irish players to then bringing in maybe some bigger name foreign players. But what did you think, you know, as a player at the time and then even looking back about what Roy did with the squad that summer? Yeah, I, I listen, I think Roy probably probably admit himself that um, I think, he, you know, he got some of them signings wrong. Um, he absolutely got some of them signings wrong. Um, you know, really, I, I spoke about what kind of galvanised the team and what helped us kind of get, achieve what we achieved. And it was the fact that we were a team and that everybody was pulling in the same direction. Everybody was fighting for each other. 
And you can't really say that um, the, the, the the next season um, because it was a fact that, that it wasn't the case. There was um, there was disharmony, um, and uh, and 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 there were people who were were very very disruptive to what we were doing and wanted to kind of do their own thing and not buy into the team ethos um, and not buy into what we were trying to achieve and what we had a what we had achieved last season and what we were trying to build on. Um, and and it definitely had a negative effect and. Um, you know the real kind of good pros um, who were trying to do things properly kind of suffered from that, um, and it became very very difficult and became very fractious and uh, and very very disjointed within the changing room. As a player, what were your expectations heading into that season? Obviously, just first season of the Premier League survived quite comfortably. Was the idea for you to consolidate, or were you thinking, do you know what, maybe we could push to being a top ten, top eight team? Well, I thought we could definitely push to um to, to to being in the top half of the table, and I think that was you know that was that was the real aim. Um, and even first game of the season, we played Liverpool at home first game of the season, and put a very very good account of ourselves across, and were very very unlucky uh, not to um not to get out and out of the game. Um, and again, you're still kind of really really optimistic. Um. But but again, the pre-season, you know, was kind of again built on everybody pulling in the same direction, and um, and you know, and 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 then you know, some players, and there was a lot of players who kind of really bought into what we were trying to do with the players that came in. I mean, Anton Ferdinand was a great influence around the place. Uh, George George McCartney was uh, was a great guy as well. Um, Timo Tania, who I played with at Tottenham, I thought was a really good sign and was a bit unlucky with injuries and never kind of worked out for him, but still fantastic influence around the place. Um, I'm not too sure who I've left out there, but there, there was some people who really did try and buy into what we were doing, but there was also people there who weren't prepared to buy into what we were doing. And ultimately that had an effect on um, on the changing room, um, first of all, and then had an effect on the results. And, you know, in football, when, when results are going well, people can paper over lots of stuff that's kind of just bubbling underneath the surface. But uh, when you start losing games of football, which kind of we when we went on a bad run, um, it, um, it, it all these kind of cracks started to appear then that were just bubbling along under the surface. So people turning up late, people doing what they wanted. I mean, there was people going out night before games and you know stuff like this, and it just seemed that the discipline was starting to slip. And then when you know some some of the, the you know the, the the more senior pros um, kind of tried to get hold of the changing room, then it became um, it be, it, that's when it became quite fractious. You know, people were, and that's when you know arguments started to happen because some people were doing it right and some people weren't, and um, and, and and unfortunately it, it, it had that effect. It had that negative effect that is once it does take hold, it's very very difficult to um, to get rid of. Do you think that the squad was too big that season? No, I don't think the squad was too big. If 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 you have a squad of the right type of characters um, and the right type of people, then um, then it can be it can be fun. It can be really good thing to have a big squad because everybody's pushing each other and um, and everybody is um, everybody is trying to. Um, everybody's trying to kind of get their place in the team, and when they don't, instead of kind of. You know, instead of like kicking off and starting arguments and stuff like that, they kind of just knuckle down and try and get the place back. And um, so I think it can be a really positive thing to have a big squad if everybody is is pulling in the same direction. But when they're not, then it's that's where problems start to arise. And 
and, and we found that out really to our detriment kind of uh, in around probably four or five weeks before Roy left and um, and then you know the, the the last six months of the season six seven months of the season um, when Ricky kind of took over I mean it was it was it was an extremely difficult time and time that you know extremely difficult for Ricky as well um, and you know and if if we're being totally honest we only stayed up that season by default really because there was uh, you know those teams that were worse than us, not because we were particularly good, because it was a, it was a really, it was a real grind and a real kind of struggle to um, produce any kind of form. And you talked about the dressing room being kind of fractured. There's a lot of talk of an incident between Elhad Stufanant on Ferdinand. Is that something that was true? Has it been borne out proportion since? And what was your version of the events between them? Yeah, well, well, it's, I think it's, it's out there in the open, kind of, you know, what happened and. Um, and, and you know that wasn't the only kind of incident um, that happened. You know there was you know there was I like to go into details of stuff that happens in the changing room because I think a lot of it should kind of stay in the changing room. Mm. But I think the one the one with, with, with Anton is well publicised and it kind of you know and and it happened and um, and and there was stuff like that kind of maybe not as serious as that one, but there was other things like that. Like I mean you know. I remember one time seeing Naira Nosworthy get really, really angry with, uh, with with another player, and and you know, and again, I hope he doesn't mind me kind of saying this, and I won't say who it was, but I mean to see Nugsy kind of get like, angry with somebody because they're not doing the job properly, or you know, they're not wanting to kind of buy into what we're doing. It was a real kind of eye opener, and you think to yourself, well, if Naira is is getting this angry about something, then there must be something serious wrong. I mean, I would have been. Uh, you know, quite fiery kind of character, and 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 if I had a kind of a, an argument with something, then with somebody, then it probably throughout my career wouldn't have been all that kind of a big deal because you know I had that kind of fiery temperament. But um, for Nyron to kind of really flag something up and kind of really go with it the way the way he did, I kind of think to myself, you know, there's some there's some serious issues here, and and then things, as I said, they take the toll. And. I want to talk about some of the positives from that season because there were some positives even though it was, a, as you say, a season where we sort of stayed up by default. But there was a 2-1 win at your old club Spurs, second game of the season, and that was an exciting time for a Sunderland fan because we had Gibral Cissé who was you know, probably the first time we sort of bought a, a, a world-renowned player, you know, a player that maybe we couldn't believe we actually got and he came on, he scored the winner. What was the feeling like at that time? Because I, I would imagine as a dressing room you'll be feeling quite good about yourselves going away from home at Spurs and winning 2-1 yeah yeah we we, we were and it was it was a really well say it was a, a really good performance we did we kind of held on quite a bit as you're going to have to do down at Spurs and um and, and, and it was a really good win um and and again I don't mean to flag up the kind of negative things that but um you know there was those people left out of that game who were supposed to be in the team on on, on that day because um, there was a person was late for for the team meeting and and was supposed to be starting the game and ended up kind of being left out of the game and left out of the squad and you know we got the win but you still sensed there was a little bit of you know some some struggles to come um, and we never really kind of capitalised on that uh, on that win really like we should have done and probably the season before we would have capitalised on it and we would have kind of taken a lot of confidence from it and and we, and we didn't really which which was a shame because. Listen, I, I know I know Tottenham's a really, really difficult place to go. Um so to get a win there was absolutely fantastic. But it was a real bright spark, I suppose, in the uh, in the season. 
And the other one was, of course, the, the Derby game we won 2-1. I think you only featured for a few minutes in that game, but I'm sure you've got plenty of memories of that afternoon. And even if you were watching from the dugout, you must have heard the noise and felt the atmosphere. What were your memories of that day? Listen, it was an absolutely fantastic free kick. I remember that. He he, he hit it like a bullet. And uh, Kieran was in really good form, actually. Um, he, was, he, was a, he was a fantastic player when he was when he was on it, really was, and, and played really well that, that day. And, and, and got a great goal and and it, it was great you know what I mean it, it, them wins they're, they're they're absolutely fantastic you know when you when you get them they 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 really kind of do mean a lot and and I think as a player um you really you really grasp um you know and and, and I you know as I mentioned earlier I, I felt like I had a real affinity with with the people um, of Sunderland and I knew how much you kind of really mean to them so when you do get the win and you see and the celebrations and you know and you see everybody and how much it means to them it's 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 really special that you can kind of make um such a fantastic fan base um kind of feel that way not not me i don't mean kind of me individually i just mean us as a team and um, how it would make the the the, the people of Sunderland feel to get a win and there's a great sense of of that um so so it's really really special feeling and it's one that's you know it's great for the players to kind of be involved in and to win, but you're very, very aware that you're, you know, you're doing it for the fans. And after that, we went on a, a poor run, lost six of the next seven games, and Roy eventually left the club after a four-one home defeat against Bolton Wanderers. Was it a case of, you know, did he lose the dressing room? I mean, why was it that we performed so poorly in that little run? Um, listen again, I can't probably, you know, want not want to go back too much over some of the other stuff that I spoke about earlier on, but the, 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 the stuff of the kind of the discipline and arguments starting to happen on the training ground and stuff like that became a real kind of factor in, in the results. And, and I wouldn't say that he, he, he lost the dressing room because he always had the respect of everybody. I wouldn't say that, but there was, um, there was a lot of disruption kind of going around at the time. There was a lot of disruption. There was a lot of noise. And it felt like we were kind of getting distracted from what the job at hand was, which was to win games of football. There was so much other stuff kind of going on. And um, and I think that's kind of part of the reason why we didn't pick up them, them where we didn't pick up more results. And, and then, you know, ultimately then the manager pays the price for that because the results aren't right. But the results don't go right for a reason. It's not because everything's done properly and everything's running smoothly. So you keep, losing games of football football's not like that um there's generally a, 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 there has to be a reason why you know you're not winning games of football because we were we we had players who were who were more than adequately adequate to be competitive um in that league and to to pick up results so if you're not picking up results then you have to look at what the other reasons were um for that and some of them I've kind of stated earlier on and um you know I I, I just I, <laughs> I just feel like you know when we're having this this, this chat here, and, and 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 partly because of you know the situation, what we're talking about, it feels like this this kind of a little bit of kind of negativity kind of coming from from that, and it was a negative kind of period, and uh, and I don't want that to ever kind of detract from the, the the amazing times that I had at Sunderland and a lot of the positive experiences that I had. So I don't want to kind of sound too <laughs> negative about my you know about about that my my time here, my time at Sunderland. Well, we'll talk about some positives now. Ricky Sprazier came in after that. We lost your first game one 0 Old Trapper, but it was a good performance. We then followed that up with a four 0 win against West Brom. 
and then a 4-1 win against Hull City away from home. First thing to talk about is you scoring a header. Is that something you've done often in your career? <laughs> I think I've scored three headers, I think, in my career. Two, maybe three. I seem to remember I, I scored one against Watford when I was at Forest first time. And, and something's telling me that there's another one, but, but, I, but I, I can't remember which one it was. So um, it, it's kind of a collector's item. But but it was a great day and it was, it was a really good performance. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned... One of the players who I thought was excellent that day, who kind of came in and kept himself to himself off the pitch, done his own thing, but smashing player with a lot of ability was Steve Malbronk. Um, he came in and he would have been a, a you know a real positive. He was a fantastic player, he had, he had fantastic ability, and and as I said, oh, oh, he, he he used to come in and do his job and uh, get a shower and get himself off to, to home to his family. And and I do utmost respect for that. You know, it's it's. It, it was brilliant, you know. He used to kind of, and he used to go out and train every day really well and perform on a Saturday. And I thought he was an excellent signing, you know. So you talk about signings that haven't gone quite well, and then you talk about ones that did. And I thought Steve was it was a fantastic signing for the club, and and um, was was a real positive impact. Do you think at that time, uh, Ricky? I don't think got the manager's job until after the whole game. Do you did you think he was the right appointment at the time? You know, I think Sam Allardyce said he was interested at that point. Do you think it made sense though to continue that positivity that had kind of came from him coming in, or do you think maybe they should have brought in a Sam Allardyce who could maybe build the club up from the bottom? Um, I I felt at that particular time Ricky was was the right man for the job, and Neil um was in helping him at the time, and Troy York was helping him as well. Um, and and I, I did feel he was the right man for the for, for the job, not not in the long term. Um, and I don't think he ever seen himself doing it kind of long term. Um, but for 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 that short period of time, I think you know Ricky done the best he could and under very very difficult circumstances, dealing with with some some players that were very very difficult to deal with. Um, I th- I think he he really done the best he could, and I've got the utmost respect for him because he's a great guy. Um. Really, really good guy. Um, in fact, and um, and a fantastic coach, and and it must have been some you know great experience for him as well. I know it was tough, and he had to deal with a lot, and um, you know there was a lot put on his plate. But um, I think when we stayed up on the last game of the season, it was a uh, it was a it was a massive massive relief for him, I'm sure. And um, you know, I think he left the club with with the, with the respect of everybody and the well. And the good wishes of, of of everybody, you know, um, for for the hard work that he put in, and 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 it was hard for him, you know, it was very very difficult. It would have been difficult for for anybody, but uh, I think he 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 carried himself extremely well, um, with, uh, with with a lot of dignity, and I don't think that that that's always the case when I see with with, with some managers. And after the the West Brom game, we had victories against Fulham and Stoke. Um, but then we followed that with a bit of a winless run. So initially when Ricky comes in, the first sort of two months, things are very, very positive, but then it kind of slid back into what was happening under Roy. Do you think that was kind of the honeymoon period ending and, you know, there was a bit of a rut setting in? Yeah, probably. You know, you do get a kind of initial bounce and um, and, and I think we kind of did that. And, uh, uh, and then I think it was in and around that time, I think when we, when we lost, uh, I think we who did we we lost away to Middlesbrough um, as well, and that was a kind of a really disappointing one. And you know, again, you're finding some of them old problems that we spoke about earlier on kind of creeping back in again. And um, 
and 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 then again it starts to have a you know an adverse effect on on the results as well so and that was when it kind of started to to become really difficult again and and you know all you can do is kind of keep going in and keep kind of training as hard as you can and playing as hard as you can and hope that'll turn around and um you know said so it was it was it was it was a difficult period for everybody we did manage to pick up a massive win against Hull City which i think moved on to 35 points that kind of solidified well, it didn't really solidify it, but it gave her a bit of a platform, got us above the, the bottom three. And you're looking at, I think it was Newcastle and Middlesbrough were the two teams that were kind of chasing us. Were you watching them, realising that maybe they were in, you know, more a worse position than us? They were not winning games. Did you think that while we weren't necessarily performing well, we had just about done enough to stay away from, you know, them two? Um, well, listen, I'm not too sure. I think when... When when we went and played against Middlesbrough and Middlesbrough, I think I said there that we lost to them, but I think we actually drew. We drew two two, but we should have won, and and we were we were far superior. Um, and I and I felt we had much better players, and we had a lot more belt, was a lot better organisation. So I kind of came out of that disappointed that we didn't win, but thought well we're a better team than them, um, and it probably made it more disappointing that we didn't get the win. Um, and and the whole win was a big win. Uh, you know, I remember um, Phil Brown had kind of come out and he, he'd said some stuff in the press and we kind of, I suppose we used that as a little bit of motivation, I suppose, and went in and um, although we didn't put in a great performance, I wouldn't say we managed to kind of grind grind out result and, um, and, and, and that was a kind of a, a big win overall for us, you know, it really was. And we've secured... Survival. Newcastle and Middlesbrough lost on the final day. I think we lost at home to Chelsea. What do you remember, though, of the scenes that day? Because, you know, it's not often that you stay up on the final day and your two closest rivals get relegated. I remember being at the stadium and it was, you know, it was almost like a party. What were your feelings that day? And what do you remember from, you know, the ensuing celebrations? I, I, it was very, very mixed. Um, very, very mixed. I, you know, I mentioned earlier on, um, I, I do feel we stayed up by default and not because we were particularly good. Um, so on that side of it, you're kind of disappointed in how things have turned out in the whole season and that we've just kind of scraped through by the skin of our teeth and you think to yourself, this club deserves better. Um, and then on the other side of it, you know, the, the, the club's biggest rivals, um, and plus Middlesbrough down the road as well, have kind of gone down. So you kind of pleased for the fans but I I think for us it was it was about a time of kind of real um real reflection um and kind of think to yourself you know what it, it's not been good enough from kind of everybody the situation that surrounded the club and and it was a perfect opportunity I felt you know for 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 Ricky to kind of step away I think he had kind of had enough um and time for kind of some some big changes um at the club which 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 did duly happen um and I think it, you know, it was it was really much needed. Uh, I don't think it was a, it wasn't a time really for me for players to kind of be going around gloating, and I don't think anybody did because uh, we didn't really have too much to gloat about, other the fact that the three worse teams than us just um, by you know a goal or a point or whatever it was. Um, but you know, we knew that what what had been produced over the last you know probably the whole season really. Uh, wasn't acceptable, um, so it was time for some some changes. 
So that season finishes, Ricky Spears just steps down. Uh, I think he moves into a scouting role or an advisory role, something like that. Steve Bruce is the man who's brought in in the summer of 2009. What were your initial thoughts when he was appointed? Obviously, he did a very good job at Wigan that season before. I think he maybe finished seventh or eighth. What did you think, Steve Bruce, at the time? Yeah, I thought it was a really good appointment because I, I, I felt with kind of some of the players that were there and kind of the feeling surrounding the club at the time, I felt it needed a really strong character and somebody to kind of really lead the way. Um, uh, and... And I think that that that's what that's what uh, that's what Steve produced. Um, you know, he was he's a fantastic football manager, old school in some ways. Um, like you know, I don't know what 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 he's what he's like now and kind of what he does now. But at the time, he um, he would have taken say shape on a little bit on a Thursday, maybe a little bit on a on a Friday leading into the game. But other than that, a lot of the coaching would have been left to Eric Black. Who was a fantastic coach, um, you know Eric is, uh, you know, really, really top coach and, and a fantastic guy. So it kind of worked really well, um, and I think there were some some really good initial gains and um, and and a lot of money spent um, as well. You know, I think Steve was 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 fortunate that um, he was able to um, he was able to spend um, quite quite a sizable amount of money. Um, so you know, a good influx of players coming in. Um, strong character as a manager who knows the game, knows the league inside out, knows how to kind of deal with players. And I felt it was the it was the right thing to do. And as I mentioned earlier, there were some really, really good gains over uh, probably an 18-month period, two years, you know, something like that. There were some, some good strides made. And you mentioned the business. I'll go through who we signed that summer. So Fraser Campbell, Paulo De Silva, Lorik Sauna, Darren Bent, Lee Catamull, John Menser and Michael Turner. On paper, to me at the time, I thought that was very, very strong business. I liked, you know, it was a nice mix of international quality with players who know the Premier League with, you know, a true goal scorer and Darren Bent. Did you notice the quality of the team improve that as pre-season kind of went on? Almost definitely, but probably the thing that improved more um, than the quality was, uh, you know, a lot of them players that you've mentioned there, you know, so so you look at Michael Turner, real kind of leader, um, Lee Catmull, real leader. Um, you look at Lorik Sanna, who 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 was fantastic, great leader. John Mensa, proper bloke. Darren Ben could score goals. So all of a sudden, the culture in the place kind of really, really went up a notch. When you consider some of the <laughs> some of the shady characters that we had the year before, um, they you know they kind of started to to clear out um, and. You know, some some real positive influences on the dressing room started to to come in, um, and I think much needed kind of characters. You know, these you know we really kind of needed some more strong characters to help galvanise everybody that was there already to start to pull the team in the right direction. And I think them signings were were perfect. And and I totally agree with you. I thought it was it was really good business. It wasn't cheap um, business by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it was really good business. There was there was good players brought in, but for me probably just as important if not more important the type of character that was brought in was was, was huge and talk about Darren Bent initially obviously you would have played with him at Charlton but he hit the ground running that season at Sunderland scored 24 goals what was he like to play with did you just know if you've got balls in certain areas he was likely to to put it in I mean what was he like for you as a winger and a creative player yeah listen 
Bendy only had one thing in his mind, and that was to score goals. Uh, didn't really get involved in the build-up play. Didn't really want to get involved in the build-up play. Um, but you knew that he was going to be in an area. You knew that balls, he has that knack where balls just drop to him and, uh, you know, six-yard box, just outside six-yard box, really good finisher. Likes to threaten him behind the stretch teams. Uh, I like playing kind of balls over the top. I like playing balls into dangerous areas. Um, and you know that he's kind of, He's the man to get on them, and if he gets a chance, he's gonna. Uh, you know, there's, there's a fairly good um, chance that that he's gonna finish it. So, um, to have somebody in like that in your team, like to have a match winner in your team, is uh, it's massively important. Um, re- like I probably can't say how important it is. It's it's a difference between you know you might have five or six games that are gonna be a draw within a season, but when you've got somebody like that in your team, he can nick a goal out with nothing. And them draws become um, points, uh, it become wins. So all of a sudden, you, instead of you ending up with five points and five draws, you end up with 15 points um, and five wins. So um, a, a goal scorer like that is, is kind of, it's worth every penny um, that you can pay for them. It uh, really is. Mm. The start of that season, you actually, you struggled to break into the team initially. I don't know if you had a niggle or anything, but generally... It was the Norwich City game in the League Cup where you scored a brace. You scored also a phenomenal chip, which you can talk about at length in a moment. But did you have a point to prove that night? Because you were a consistent performer for the previous 18 months and the new manager was maybe favouring other options. Well, what, what had happened? I, I, well, I'd actually had, I'd had a really good pre-season. I'd had a really good off-season and come back really, really fit, worked really, really hard, um, came back in, in kind of great shape and had a really good pre-season. You know, went to, we went up and played Celtic up there. Played really, really well. Um, set up a couple of goals. Um, and had a good, you know, had a good preseason all in all. And then, um, yeah. So two days before um the start of the season, um, I picked up a tiny little quad injury. So I was on the tours day. Um, I picked up a tiny quad injury, and I played the last the, the, the four preseason games. So I would have thought I'd had a a decent opportunity of, of, of starting the game. I put a little quad injury and the boys went um, and, and, and got a decent result um, there. And, and I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't in the team. And then I think we played then Norwich um, after I got back. There might have been a game in between, maybe uh, Stoke might have been just after. I'm not, I can't remember exactly how it was, but I would have felt I'd have been in the team, but I had a little niggle. Um, the first opportunity that I got to play in in a kind of competitive game that wasn't a pre-season game was that um, Norwich game. And uh, it felt really, really confident going down there that I could kind of put in a good performance and, and was really, really pleased with it. Well, I was really pleased with the goal. And it's funny because you mentioned the chip um, and, and and I did. I, I enjoyed that chip, I have to say. And um, it, I think it was a decent goal. But the other goal that I scored in that game um, I thought it was a really, really good team goal. Um, there was a kind of a breakdown the right-hand side, and I can't remember exactly who was crossed in for me, but somebody crossed in for me and managed to get into the box and, and, and kind of finish it. Um, but it was a really, really good team goal, and I thought we played really, really well that night. And and, and I was, was expecting to kind of be in the team for the game on Saturday. So we went to Stoke then the following Saturday, um, mm-hmm. I remember now, and I think Stoke beat us. And I wasn't in the team. I came on for about 20 minutes. Um, and, and I'd done all right when I came on, but unfortunately I couldn't come up with that. And then we, we ended up losing the game. And I think it was after that then that 
Um, Steve Bruce. What, he actually pulled me before the Stoke game and he said, listen, uh, I know you played really well the other night. You've been great in pre-season, but the guys have done all right for me in the league so far. So you won't be playing on Saturday, but stick with it um, and you will get more opportunity. So I was I was like totally fine. No, no problem at all. That's, that's fine. And, uh, and and true enough, when um, uh, when we we didn't get the result against Stoke, um, um, the, the manager put me in. And um, was it was it the whole was it the whole, whole game? The next yeah. game we played, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um, we put in we put in a great performance. Managed to to kind of get a goal um, as well. And uh, and at the time, I was I felt like I was playing some some really really good football. You know, I really felt like I was playing some of the best football I played for um, for, for quite a while. And you mentioned the whole game there. You actually won man of the match that game. Um, but we also, you know, we started the season really well. Victories against Bolton, Blackburn, the whole game. Wolves, we beat 5-2 at home, beat Liverpool, beat Arsenal. And we were in sort of early contention for Europe. I think when we beat Arsenal at home, we were sixth in the league. Did you think that, you know, we did have a good enough squad that season to maybe, not necessarily got top six, but certainly, you know, be comfortable top ten? Yeah, yeah, most definitely, uh, most definitely did, and and uh, you know I think it was it wasn't just a it wasn't just a manner of it wasn't just the fact that we got the wins it was the manner of them. I mean we played Arsenal at home and thought we played really really well and beat them. Liverpool at home and I know it was the beach ball um, goal, um, but again we fully deserved that win. Um, you know played played some really really good football and um, and it was uh, it was fantastic. You know we we we, we were really felt like we were kind of um, onto something um, really good. And it was a very, very enjoyable period, um, along with the four six months of me being at, um, being at Sunderland. That, 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 that period was, was very, very enjoyable as well. I, I must say we were picking up results, playing really well. And for, for me, the, the real positive thing about it was, I mentioned earlier, the type of characters that were in the team, all of a sudden, you know, gone from the type of characters that we had before, uh, the season before where it was everything was difficult we had a lot of good strong characters in there who wanted things to be done properly and you know were real positive influences on the place and it's so much better okay you know I can't explain to you how much it is better when you're playing with people like that and that season and the, the following season to be fair we we struggled a lot with injuries um do you think there was a particular reason why we couldn't seem to get players consistently fit there was only a few like yeah you know, i think darren bent played pretty much every game but there wasn't many others that were and i think you played pretty much in every game but a lot of the other players really struggled to stay fit do you think there was a reason for that was it just bad luck mm, i think i'm not too sure can't put my finger on i mean i i played most of the games up until christmas um and then i think uh, i i hope my I uh, hope my hamstring um, over Christmas. I think we're playing against Everton. I think it might have been, and I hope my hamstring and got back from it a little bit. But then I had a problem with my calf then, um, and I'm not too sure why. And I ended up having something where there was a lump appeared on my calf, and I didn't really know what it was. And went for a scan on it, and as it turns out, it was a piece of muscle was coming through the fascia, which is the um, which is the it's like kind of a layer um, that underneath the skin that covers the, the the layer of tissue that covers the muscle, and and there was a little hole in that, and some muscle was coming through. So I had to have an operation on it, and ended up kind of not playing much in the second half of the season. You know, we had a few injuries, and some of them were were were, were a little bit unlucky, and we just kind of lacked that consistency then. And you know, the, it was very very kind of uh, very very bitty, I suppose, between the end of the season, which was a shame because. 
you know, you felt if you'd have kept everybody fit and really kind of were in there. Um, you know, it'd have been difficult to finish in the top six, don't get me wrong, but you would have liked to think that we could have gave a real good account of ourselves and kind of at least kept them top six kind of on the toes that, that we knew that they knew that we went too far behind them. And um, But again, I go back to, you know, some of them, result, I mean, like the, 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 the atmosphere in the stadium, um, some of them games, the Arsenal game, uh, the, the, the Liverpool game, I mean, phenomenal, um, you know, really phenomenal atmosphere and, uh, you look back and it's it was it, it was that was it was a good time that was as well. I have to be honest with you, it was a good time. And I felt that uh, Steve Bruce, as I said, came in and, and had a real real positive impact in in that kind of first period of his of his tenure. And one of the players you played with that season, Jordan Henderson. Obviously, we know what he's become now. But did you see him becoming? you know, a Premier League, Champions League winning captain who plays for England regularly. Was that something you saw in him or are you surprised that he's managed to achieve that? Um, would you, If you had have asked me, if I'm being totally honest with you, if you had have asked me, would, would I have seen him lifting a Champions League um, trophy and a Premier League trophy, I would have been totally honest with you and said no. But I did, I had no doubt that, the, that, the, that, that he was destined for big things. I mean, his drive, his determination, um, uh, and, and coupled with his ability as well. I mean, I know he, well, I think he's, he's constantly improved his ability um, and he's improved season after season after season. For me, he's one of the best passes of a ball over a kind of 10, 15 yard um, distance in, in the Premier League. And it's a massively important thing to be able to do. And he makes that team tick and the leadership skills that he's developed um, it, it, it's been it's been brilliant um, to kind of you know see him from a distance develop into what he's done and you know credit to him for his his, his application his determination and um, he's a real um, you know I would say he's a real go-to for any young player you know if you kind of say well, well how do you become a top class professional footballer look at Jordan Henderson and look at the work that he puts in um looks at his weaknesses, right, okay, what are my weaknesses? How can I improve on them? How can I get a little bit better all the time, get a little bit better at this, get a little bit better at that? And then all of a sudden, then you start to get the real package. And, um, and he, he, he's developed um, so, so much because of his mentality, his, his drive um, over um, a long period of time. And, uh, and as I said, I think the best compliment that I can pay to him is that any young player um, who who's aiming to become a professional footballer. What does it take to be a top-class professional footballer? You look at the work rate, uh, you look at the ability, um, you look at the drive, the determination, the mentality. Um, Jordan Henderson has has all of them things uh, in abundance and leadership, uh, which he's developed as well. So um, I, I can't speak highly enough of him um, and what he's achieved. And just to finish off the 2009-10 season, after the Arsenal game, we went on a 14-game winless run, but eventually, towards the end of the season, we picked up former game, won five of the last 11 games and finished very comfortably in 13th. But was that a satisfactory season for you, or did you think that we we underachieved that year? Yeah, I, I think it was disappointing considering the um, the start that we had. For, um, um, I think you've got to take into account the injuries that we had as well. Um, so uh, it was a little bit of both, a little bit of kind of a double-edged sword where you're disappointed because of the, the kind of the start of the season that we had. But um, 
there was kind of mitigating circumstances, I suppose. So um, a little bit, a little, little uh, tinge with disappointment, but I think um, overall a phenomenal um, improvement on the season before, not just on. Um, not just on the pitch, but I think off the pitch as well, um, and the, the the harmony in the changing room, um, which is vitally important to be successful. There was a so, massive shift in culture. There was a massive shift in culture from one season to the next, which was um, very very important, and 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 it was massively needed. So we'll jump now to the the ten eleven season. Um, I'll go through the players were brought in. So Christian Riveros. Uh, Simon Mignolet, Ahmed El Mohamedi, Titus Bramble, Marcus Angeliri, Danny Welbeck, Neda Manua, Asamo Ajan, and, and John Mensah returned as well. But what were you he- feeling heading into that season? You know, you mentioned you had a few niggly injuries towards the end of the previous year. Were you fully fit heading into that year, or were you still maybe carrying some knocks? Yeah, I, I, I never kind of I, I felt that um, my, my calf was, was kind of really still niggling at me kind of going into the season and then I had an Achilles problem as well like I had some really bad um, Achilles tendonitis which um, tendinopathy sorry which was um, which was really kind of impacting on me um, on, on me getting the, the volume of work that I needed to get in in pre-season um, so I didn't get as much work as I would have liked in pre-season didn't feel as fit as I as I was the season before because I couldn't get the volume of work in because of um, my Achilles and my calf was still niggling at me a little bit coming back from the operation so um, I never really felt that I kind of uh, that I got going um, the following season to be honest with you um, and they were still kind of niggling at me kind of coming you know coming up into probably uh, probably November, um, and and I just wasn't able to get enough work in to be able to force myself into the team. I was kind of a bit part, and you know, wasn't I, I wasn't performing well enough to to warrant a place in the team. Um, but uh, and I felt that part of the reason why I wasn't was because you know I had all these I had little niggles going on, and um, I was having injections in my Achilles to to try and kind of take away some of the pain, which which were short term they were working for me, but long term, um, they um long term you know went by the time that these um injections wore off that I was I was in a lot of pain, so um I couldn't really do enough to kind of get myself into the team. Um, and I felt that I needed to kind of get some games in because I always felt that the best way for me to get fit by, was by playing games. Um, and and I, then I, had, I you know took a decision. Then um, I got a call. Well, my agent got a call from Gary Speed, who was at um, who was at Sheffield United at the time, and asked me if I'd like to come to them for a couple of months to to get some games in. And um, and and it felt like me. Well, look, it was the the, the right thing to do. Did you think that your Sunderland career was over at the point where you went to Sheffield United? Because I think were you out of contract that summer? Yeah, fact, well, you know? I was out of contract at the end of at the end of the season and um, hadn't really spoken to them about another contract, and they hadn't really kind of spoken to me. Um, and I, and obviously, I was aware that I had me injuries and that my Achilles was wasn't quite at me, so I uh, wasn't quite right. So I kind of wasn't expecting them to. So I kind of. Yeah, I, I I think I probably knew that that um that the time had probably come um to um to 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 kind of to kind of move on and 
Um, and, and Steve Bruce had kind of, yeah, and, and at times the lads were playing really, really well. So, you know, it was, you know, where you back yourself to get into the team. When when I had my kind of niggly injuries, it was uh, I, I did feel it was kind of really really difficult, and and all I wanted to do, you know, if all I've wanted to do all my life, and the time I was a was a young boy, was just play football, you know, not sit on somebody's bench just <laughs> and just sit there and take money. That's not what I'm all about. I wanted to go and play football, and um, and and that's 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 ultimately kind of what I did. And I know I left in the January and went to Blackpool, and um, when I Kind of when I went to Blackpool, um, I, I went there with the premise that I was going to go and play in the position that Charlie Adam was 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 playing in because he was supposed to go to Liverpool, and then he ended up not going on deadline day, and uh, and Ian Holloway decided to stick with the players that that had kind of done pretty well for him. So again, I ended up going there and not playing as much as I would have liked in the play. So I was really pleased to kind of get away from there. And the deal had been done for me to go there to the end of the season, and and um, that would finish off my contract there. Um, at Sunderland as well, um, so you know it was it was sad kind of you know moving away because as I said, as I, said I felt really really settled that we, we loved living um, up in the northeast. Um, I felt I had a real affinity, but um, football, um, you know, at times it can be quite romantic, but at times um, things happen and and you have to make decisions and um, and the decision for me at the end of the season then when the Sunderland thing had finished and the Blackpool thing had finished then uh, I had the opportunity to go back to my, to my first club and um, move back to Nottingham where I still had a property and play for um, for Nottingham Forest and, and I don't regret that decision ever, I think the time was right for me to, to kind of move on from Sunderland um, and start the next phase of my career and you know and, and again I can't, I can't really speak highly enough of the club it's a club that I mean you know, people speak to me all the time because obviously I'm an ex-Sunderland player about the Sunderland Till I Die um, uh, programme and, and I've never watched it. Um, you know, I haven't watched it and, and I don't really want to. Um, people tell me about some of the stuff that's in it and in some ways I could kind of sense some of the stuff coming and I think it probably, well, there was a good shift in in um, in character and a good shift in the personality around the changing room. I probably started from from that season that we kind of just stayed up and Newcastle went down and it kind of started in that season and you could kind of sense that you weren't too sure although there was some positives there was a lot of positives um in between there was still a big kind of there was something underlying that you kind of felt was coming up and, and it hurts me a little bit um that, you know to see where well it hurts me quite a bit you know to see where where Sunderland are and um when when Sunderland got relegated, it was really, really difficult. You know, I, 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 you know, felt really, really bad for for everybody involved, and I know how difficult it would have been. So, you know, um, and and I went up there actually when uh, when Forest played against um, Sunderland and beat them one 0 up there. I went up. Uh, I was invited uh, to go up and kind of speak in one of the lounges. Um, it was great to kind of see everybody again and. Sunderland had been on a really bad run and Forrest beat them and I, you know, sitting with, with Jimmy Montgomery, who's an absolute diamond of a guy and, you know, and he was kind of saying to me, I'm not too sure kind of where it's going and, you know, how hard must have been for him to kind of sit and watch that and watch uh, everything that was unfolding and, um, you know, and, and then for me, for it all to be kind of filmed and really aired in public, I think, 
um, is, 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 you know, I understand it's really, really good um, watching for some people, but for people who have been involved in it, and um, I think it's a, it's a really tough watch. And um, for me, that's why um, I haven't um, wanted to watch it because it's not take any kind of pl- pleasure in, in seeing where the club is now. It's really, really sad to see where such a fantastic club um, from top to bottom and you see, you know, the, the academy struggling at the moment and, 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 and me working in, in youth development at the moment, you know, working with Forest 23s and working with Ireland's under 18s and, and how important how important youth development is for a football club and to see the academy struggling the way it is is um is, is really, really sad as well, you know, and I really hope somebody's kind of able to kind of galvanise that and kind of take that and start producing players because it's a real hotbed up in, up in Sunderland. And if you get the right, uh, you know, up in the northeast or, uh, as a whole, and if you get the right people in there working in the right way, then I really feel that, that wheel could turn and it can be a real conveyor belt for, for players into the first team, as it has been. Um, for years and years and years, you know, um, the training ground when you turn up to it and you see the academy alight, you know, is really, really, uh, it's it's it, it's a it's a special place and it should be um, it, it's a place that should be cherished um, and really, really looked after, and a place that people should be very, very proud of that environment, um, because um, you know, when you walk into that training ground, it should mean the mean the world and that that environment should mean everything to to them players, um. Uh, right from the U team all the way up, and and I'm I'm a big believer in 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 creating good environments, um, and I try and do it, and um, with the teams that I work with now, um, for my players to have the respect for the club that they're playing for, for the country, to have respect for people when you go away on, um, when you go away on international trips or when I go away with Forest Twenty Trees, it's very very important that we've got good people who are kind of respectful of everybody and respectful of their surroundings, their environments, and. If you see a piece of paper on the ground at your training ground, you need to pick it up and put it in the bin because it's your environment, it's your, uh, and you have a responsibility as a player to 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 cherish that environment and nurture it and add to it. Um, so to kind of see the club struggling at the moment, I find this really really difficult, and I can only imagine what it's like for, you know, for the fans to have to kind of um, to have to kind of do it. But but them fans will will be there you know, week in, week out, um, and there will always be some little fans regardless of who owns the club, um, regardless of who plays for the club, because Sunderland is it, it's a way of life really, isn't it? Um, for so many people up there. I've got a final few questions for you. Um I know obviously close for time, so hopefully it won't take any more than five minutes, but final few. Um but if you look at the the last season you were at Sunderland, um Darren Bent left in the January and I don't think the club ever really recovered from that point. I know there was slight ups when Martin O'Neill was there and when Allardyce was there, but really we've never really replaced him. Were you surprised that he left and were you surprised that the club let him go? Um, well, I, I, was, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that it came up because I think he was really happy up there and I think he was, he was, he was playing really, really well and I think he was on to a really good thing. So I was surprised. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that the club let him go because... Um, they it wasn't even necessarily the money. Um, I don't think it was the money. Um, I think he made it clear that he wanted to leave. Um, and when when the player makes it clear that he wants to leave, I think it's very very difficult to hold on to him. And I think it's very very difficult to have a player like that in your changing room that doesn't 
you know, that's kind of sad. And, and Bentley's a good lad, um, don't get me wrong, but if somebody wants to leave the football club, then I think the best solution for all parties is to try and find the solution to get them out that suits everybody so the, the fee is right. And I think they ended up getting good money for them. Um, because to keep a player there that's unhappy, I don't think it, it, it works. The odd time it has worked where people have been able to kind of turn it around and persuade somebody to stay and it's turned out to be really well. But in general, when somebody wants to leave, it's not going to turn out good, you know, probably 98% of the time um, if they if the club try and kind of hold on to them. So um, I think the club are probably in an impossible position. He wanted to leave. He made that clear and uh, and off he went. Were you shocked to see Steve Bruce get sacked early the next season? I think he went in around the October of 2011. Um, but were you surprised that the club let him go? Yeah, it was a little bit. Um, Steve's Steve's a really good football manager. Um, and, and he is a manager, um, not, not so much a coach. He's a really good football manager. He runs the football club, manages the players, um, really, really well, knows what he's doing, tactically is, is very, very aware, he's got plenty of experience, he's a strong character, so he can he can lead a football club. So, uh, I don't think it was necessarily the right thing to let him go, um, uh, although managers and coaches, they, they do seem to have a, a lot shorter of a shelf life, um, I still think Steve Bruce had, had kind of more um, more to offer um, for, for, for a little bit longer, to be honest with you, but... Um, Listen the way games, the way the game has gone now, you you don't get much time, and just you know high expectations are places, and if if you don't meet them expectations, then unfortunately you can be probably a victim of your own success. You know, in the previous seasons he'd done really really well, and when things weren't going as swimmingly well as what people um, maybe had the expect expectations of, um, you don't get as much time as you would like to turn it around. And you hinted at this one before, but a lot of people say there's. A quote-unquote a rotten core. I think it was Gus Poye was the one who coined the phrase when he was manager here. You sort of hinted that that might have started in the 2008-9 season. So d- did you feel that that was the case? There's something inherent at Sunderland, whether it's, a I don't know, a drinking culture or a culture of people looking at it as a payday? Did you get that sense when you were here? Yeah, I got the, I got the sense that it was kind of creeping in. And... Um, and it was so far from what it was when I went there first. Um, you know, when I went there in in that January when I signed from Charlton, you know, and, and I mentioned some of the lads there earlier on, and 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 the the, the main reason that we we kind of had um, the success of kind of well that the players before I came had the success of getting promoted, and had the success of kind of staying in the division, and and, and it was the harmony within the squad and everybody and a real theme. Uh, the real team kind of pulling in the same direction was 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 massive, um, and you look at players that really really cared for the club, that had been at the club for a long time, and really had the club's interest at heart. And then all of a sudden, then you start to get, um, I suppose people have called them mercenaries, where they you know you say they come for the payday, and and I think that that did kind of creep in. There was people kind of. Um, you know that that definitely did creep in, and and that was the force that I seen, and and it was difficult to kind of be involved in something like that. And and, and uh, listen, I think it it was the start of the spiral, um, to to where the club is today. And I don't, you know, it, it's it's always been a downward curve, other than um, you know, a little bit of success under Martin O'Neill, a little bit of success under Sam Allardyce, um, 
but, but very, very kind of short, short-term stuff. Um, everything else has been on a downward curve um, since then. Um, so, you know, it, it most definitely was the start of that. And final one, uh, did you ever whip the guitar out in the dressing room? No, not not in the dressing room I didn't, but we did have a bit of a sing-song um, when we went on a team bond and, and team we went like shooting and um, done quad biking and um, stuff like that when, when Roy was manager and we all went to Cumbria as a team and as a squad and um, I think Tony Lockran asked me if we'd bring the guitar and get it out so I brought it around and we had a little bit of a sing-song and it was great actually funnily enough and, and I look around and I think of the, the, the guys that were there at the time and um, Paul McShane was there at the time again as another great guy and Graham Cavanagh and Ian Hart Daryl Murphy you know, again, to some of the guys I mentioned earlier, Phil Bardsley, Johnny Evans, and uh, Nyra Nosworthy. I mean, these are all, you know, top class guys, you know, really, really top class guys who, when you're going into battle, you kind of look across and you think, yeah, you know, I'm glad to be in the trenches with you. And, and it was it was great to kind of be, to, to kind of have shared that experience with them. And um, they were, uh, you know, and then things started to change, unfortunately. But I, I've still got, them fantastic memories of my time there. Me and my family do. Um, of our time in the northeast and my time at, at Sunderland. It's a club that I will always have a fantastic amount of affection for, and um, and uh, and you know, it's, you know, you never know. Some stage in the future, coaching or in some way, I would love to have a positive impact in 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 something um, at Sunderland sometime in the future. Because as I said, it was something that really did kind of uh, it was it was a special time in my life you know and, I, and, and I'm uh, and, I, and I'm very pr- proud to kind of say that I, I, I played for Sunderland um, I played at that stadium when it was absolutely rocking and them fans were kind of really really get behind you when we give them kind of something to cheer about and give them a, a win to cheer about or a goal to cheer about uh, times that I, I won't forget I'll never forget them I've got a wonderful image now of you around a campfire with Roy Keane serenading the squad. I don't know if that happened, but I'm just going to pretend it did. But thanks, <laughs> thanks Andy, for your time. It's been great uh, to look back at fonder memories and certainly your time at Sunderland. I think you've probably got one of the, the best left feet of a player I've seen at Sunderland. Maybe Julio Walker is another one. But I really appreciate you coming on. I think the fans will appreciate hearing from you because I don't really think you've you've done many interviews just exclusively about Sunderland. So. Yeah, uh, no, listen, it's, it, it, it really is my pleasure and um, I'm very, very grateful for the support that, that all them showed me when I was up there and helped us feel so welcome. So to share some of, of the memories and some of them not so um, positive, but um, certainly so many positive memories of of uh, of my time up there. And and I think the main thing is the for me is the is is the people up there are, are a special special group of people. So pleasure. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.